0: Well, good morning, and whether you're in person this morning or listening online or watching online, I want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us at Bloomer Baptist Church this morning in worship and study of God's Word, and I pray that it will bless your life, as I know it will bless your life as you seek God with your whole heart. Good morning. We continue in John today in this Believe and Live series in the Gospel of John, and please open your Bibles. To John 2, 1 to 11. John 2, 1 to 11. The wedding at Cana, water turned into wine. I love weddings. One of the great blessings of being a pastor is being able to not just perform marriages, weddings for couples, but to be part of the process from beginning to end. I enjoy every part of it. I especially enjoy meeting with the two individuals, the couple, and hearing of their love and commitment for one another as we do premarital counseling. This is just wonderful. Everything is beautiful when done as God intends and by his ordaining. Yes, but I love the premarital counseling, hearing all the stories, and talking through life. The wedding is fantastic, obviously, but the counseling sessions are where we really get to know each other and God's plan for marriage. But there's one part of the wedding that some pastors and the bride and the groom may feel a bit awkward at, and that is the reception, the party. And for this very reason, many pastors will excuse themselves early or not even attend. You see, the bride and the groom and their party guests are often on edge, awaiting the pastor to leave anyway, since they feel they cannot truly party dance or enjoys himself fully with the pastor present. Today we read about a wedding party, a feast, but at this feast Jesus is apparently invited. He's welcomed in with his disciples as well as his mother. They would be openly accepted. They're possibly related to friend, related or friends and possibly even serving at this feast, at this party. But I don't think these party guests would mind that Jesus stuck around. You see, he would give them a miracle, a sign, a great solution to a great problem. Let's read now from John 2, 1 to 11. Reading this, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. It's very important as we set the scene to know what is it and who was there. This was a wedding at Cana. That's where. That's important too. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was there. They were both invited to the wedding and with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to a woman, What does this have to do with me? I want to note here that most commentators agree. In fact, I think all commentators agree. That him speaking to her this way was not out of disrespect but actually out of respect for the culture of the day. Woman, what does this have to do with me? Now, I'm not saying that any of us should go home and speak to our wives that way, or mothers that way, or our children that way. Woman, what does this have to do with me? No, that's just not not culturally accepted today. It's not respectful today. Some meanings, some things have changed in 2,000 years Anyways, he says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there are six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Notice they didn't ask why. They didn't question him. They And maybe it's just because they knew they were in trouble and they wanted to do whatever they could. So Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. And they did it. They filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it came from. Those are servants who had drawn the water knew The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And then when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Today's scripture is one of Jesus' most well-known, most popular, and somewhat most debated miracle or signs. This is also where Jesus' public ministry begins. Or what some people may actually call, one commentator specifically, D.A. Carson, would say, his semi-public ministry, since apparently only the servants and the disciples gained any knowledge of the source of the wine. As verses 9 to 11 tell us. We're we'll to talk more about Jesus' public ministry and his great miracles and signs throughout this book of John. But today, in reading this scripture today, we see Christ the creator. Christ the creator. Yes, we see a wedding feast, a party, signs and wonders, a great miracle. But we also see Christ the creator. That's the main idea today, the title today. And in today's scripture, we see a great problem and a great solution. If you're taking notes today, you can write that down. You can write all this down. Christ the Creator, John 2, 1 to 11, the wedding at Cana, water turned into wine, a great problem and a great solution. Within the problem and the solution, we see people or subjects And what we focus on today is one, I don't have this wrote on the slides for you, so you have to listen up, one, we see what Jesus, Christ the creator, does. One is Jesus, Christ the creator, what he does. Two, we see what Mary does. Three, us. We see what this all means for us and what we ought to do in light of the reading, again, Jesus, Mary, and us. In this event, this sign, Christ creates wine from water. And not just any wine, fine wine, good wine. So fine, so good a wine that it would not go unnoticed. The master of the feast would go to the bridegroom. And he would actually announce, he would actually proclaim, he would actually ask, he would actually make strong statements commenting about just how good the wine was. You see, most would have diluted the stuff. The cheap, they would have given the cheap stuff, the bad tasting stuff. They would have given this last. Why? Well, that's quite simple. They would have given the bad stuff last in hopes that the people, after days or a week of partying, would be too tired, too busy, have... Taste buds which were less sensitive by this point or sinfully too drunk to notice. But the wine Jesus made was the best. Why? It was the best because Jesus made it. It was the best wine ever made because Jesus made it. Everything Jesus creates is the best. We cannot outdo Jesus. We cannot outcreate Jesus. Here's another thing. Jesus turning the water into wine, not simply wine, but fine wine. And yes, I believe fermented or alcoholic wine makes the miracle even more powerful. You see, grape juice does not become fine wine fermented easily, especially in Jesus' day and age. It took time. But not for Jesus. Here we see Christ the creator create instantaneously from water something which would take time time for the people water something which is so often symbolic of life you see listen to this christ brings life to the party through his creative power christ at god's time will also bring life to all god's people through his perfect life sacrifice and resurrection christ still creates life today in the lives of god's chosen people let me repeat that Again, for you, Christ still creates life today in the lives of God's chosen people. Do you know the life he brings? Seek him. Find him. If you seek him, you will find him. Confess Jesus is Lord. Number one here, as we move forward, is this. Christ the creator provides. He creates not just wine from water, but life, abundant life. In fact, later in John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it Abundantly. Isn't that amazing? Speaking of abundant provision, Jesus here creates an abundant amount of wine. Not just a few more glasses full, but enough to last the whole party. 120 to 180 gallons of wine. In this miracle, we also see how life, how his life abundantly provides for us to cover Not just some sin, but all sin. Listen up. Christ the Creator's provisions are always enough and they always will be. Jesus provides. Jesus provides. Let's take a step back for a moment, though. How did we get to this miracle anyways? Well, number two, Christ the Creator, He listens and hears the needs of Mary and His people. He listens and hears. This starts with his mother and the needs of this party, but he still listens to needs of his people today. Christ the creator is still listening and hearing great problems and providing great solutions. Let me say that once more. Christ the creator is still listening and hearing great problems and providing great solutions. Back to the wedding. Mary may be working the wedding. She's very concerned when she hears the wine is gone and she says to Jesus, they have no wine. This was a huge problem. Wedding celebrations often lasted multiple days, if not a week. And to be out of wine, wine of all things was a great problem. We may not understand the severity of this problem at first glance, but please note this is not a minor inconvenience. Well, there are many American Christians, maybe some of you here today, that might view the running out of wine as a blessing rather than a tragedy. We must understand it from a Jewish perspective. For the Jews, wine was a symbol of God's blessing and was part of any joyful celebration. So yes, this would be a great problem. But why did she tell Jesus this? Well... There's many speculations here. Some have proclaimed that she may have not had any intent for him to perform a miracle. She may have just been telling him the unpleasant news. Oh, Jesus, can you believe it? They've ran out of wine. Oh, disciples. Oh, John. Oh, Nathaniel. Can you believe it? They've ran out of wine. Others speculate she wanted him, the Son of God, then the prophesied Messiah, to leave the party before any announcement as to lessen the embarrassment to the bride and groom. I mean, you know how much you just try and clean your house and have everything in order before a guest arrives. Can you imagine having Jesus, the Son of God, the prophesied Messiah, coming to your wedding and then to run out of the very provision which shows a blessing which shows joy in that marriage. But it's also possible, and I believe this is it, it's also possible that she just knew, she just knew, that he could do something, and something was needed. Something was needed here's something to see in mary that we can learn from we've looked to jesus let's look to mary for a moment jesus listens and provides mary has faith in jesus mary has faith in jesus yes mary has faith in jesus the son of god to know what to do with a bad situation and you too can have faith in jesus mary had faith in jesus to do the right thing do you do you trust him Even after Jesus tells her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has yet, not yet come. We see her great faith in her son, Christ the creator. And knowing that he could do something, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Why is all this so important?
1: And why does Mary
0: come to Jesus at all? Well, again, to run out of wine was considered a great embarrassment, an absolute humiliation. And she apparently cares greatly for marriage and this couple. And so does Christ. Christ cares greatly for marriages still today and couples today. And they have a right way to live. To start a marriage in this way, some would consider the wedding to not be blessed but possibly cursed instead. Wine was not only a symbol of life, but a symbol of joy, prosperity, and blessing. So here is a marriage which is seemingly starting out with no joy, no prosperity, no blessing to be found. Mary might have thought Jesus could say a few words. A blessing upon the couple, the marriage, and the party, taking the focus off the wine. Or maybe Mary thought he could talk to the master of the feast and present the news in a more gentle way. Or sticking with the idea that Mary may not have been asking for a miracle, some speculate that she may have just been hinting for him or his disciples to go and buy some wine. Lastly, some speculate how she eagerly anticipated the day Jesus would miraculously demonstrate his majestic powers. And when people saw this, it would also vindicate Mary, who lived under the shadow of pregnancy and birth, that many people question. And so, yes, she was eager to see Jesus's hour come. We don't know exactly why Mary came to Jesus. There's obviously quite a bit of speculation about her motives. What is most obvious, though, Is that Mary has faith in Jesus to help. It really does not matter what might have or could have happened and why. It's what did happen that matters. The solution matters. Jesus matters. She says, they have no more wine. And this is not only a statement of the bride and the groom's problem... But as John saw a spiritual summary of all humans without Christ. As one commentator states, life without Christ is a life without wine. Meaning, Jesus brings joy back to their lives that day. And he brings joy to us still today. Mary has faith in Christ and in her face he creates a miracle, a sign. A great solution to a great problem but also a sign to display his majestic creative power. There is a great problem and there is a great solution. Christ, the creator, is the solution. His majestic sovereignty is privately displayed. Those who see this miracle would know that surely this is the son of God. As the good word says here in John 2.11, he manifested his glory and the disciples believed in him. Do you believe in him? Do you truly believe? Go back for a moment yet again to Mary's words. This time to see what she says. And saying do whatever he tells you. There's another application here. She's content to let her son be in charge. To stand back and give him room to do his thing. Are we content To let Jesus do his thing in us and for us. Christ the creator, number four. Christ the creator in our lives must be large and in charge. As Pastor Tony Evans says in his commentary, Mary's words ought to ring in our ears. The Lord wants us to do whatever he tells us. He often doesn't describe the path that he's taking us on. He doesn't explain how he intends to deal with our problems. He simply calls us to obey his revealed word. And only after we've obeyed will we have the opportunity to experience him at a deeper level. The level he intends. So again I state, Christ must be large and in charge of our lives. Are you yielding to do what he tells you to do? Let's go back one final time Before working to conclude, Jesus brings back joy to the party in the form of wine. But do not miss the fact that Jesus, Christ the creator, he is the true joy. He creates an everlasting joy in our life through his life. He is the atonement for our sins. He does provide peace with the Father for us, life and joy. We do not have to live any, with any bit of worry for our futures as we can know that he provides for us a future with him in heaven. To those who confess he is Lord. Have joy. Are you willing to give him everything? Jesus gives you his best, his glory. Are you willing to receive it? Let's work to conclude with this question. What is the purpose of this story or event? Well, let's first state that the purpose is not just that Christ the creator has the power to create wine, a good time, and a joy-filled life. It's not just that Jesus is the life of the party. No. All this is true, but the purpose is... That those who once found God by means of rituals of purification and sacrifice may now find their way through Jesus. He is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. This is a sign, a miracle of his sovereign glory, his majesty revealed. Every story about Jesus, as told in John's gospel, will continue to reveal his glory and purpose. His hour will indeed come. When he will be revealed for who he truly is. As we now close the challenge. the take home is a summary. A summary. That we would be like Jesus. In listening to needs and provide. Look to the great problems. And find great solutions. But don't try to do what only Jesus can do. Find the great solutions. To your problems in Christ. Let him be who he's meant to be. Also, be like Mary. Be faithful and trust in Christ the creator to create joy and life in all things. Finally, do your part too. Trust in Jesus to be large and in charge of our lives. Give praise to Christ the creator today. He is the new wine, the true joy, the blessing. For our lives. And just as he used human vessels that day. He wants to use you today too. Let's close in prayer and song now. Lord we thank you for the great blessing Jesus is. As creator he creates. He creates life within us. Joy within us. Blessings within us. He creates a peaceful restored relationship with you, our Father in heaven. Lord, we thank you for Jesus does listen and provide for his people. We thank you for seeing Mary's faith in him, her trust in him. And may we trust and have faith in him today and every day of our lives. May we trust him to be large and in charge in all ways, in all things. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let it be done. Let's stand and praise God.